you know, I, I tell people all the time, there's a big difference between being dumb and being ignorant, right? Dumb is permanent. Ignorance is curable. So, you know, don't be scared to be ignorant. Are you kidding? 99% of the stuff I do in my life, I'm ignorant on, right? Yeah. But if you ask enough whys, you know, then you go from 99 to 98% to 97. And you don't have to be an expert on everything, right? Pick your battles and, and expend your time where it makes sense. But, um, you know, don't be scared to ask the question why. And I'd be willing to bet if, if, if you look back at your SEO career and, and, you know, you say you taught yourself, um, I'd be willing to bet you were successful in that because for a very long period of time till you had the confidence and knowledge yourself, I bet you asked why than every other person that tried to be as successful and failed. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome to the Money Talkers Podcast with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have a guest with me today from New View Trust. He's the vice president there. He is Jason DeBono. And we actually share a similar background. He went to the same college I went to, University of Central Florida. Uh, since then, he's been 15 years in the self-directed IRA industry. Um, he's been the de uh, business development and director of operations of New View Trust Company, uh, where they manage over $1.4 billion under custody. Uh, outside of his role at New View, Jason serves as a co-founder and chairman of, of Chair of the Love, a 501c3 organization which provides wheelchairs and other mobility-related services to those in need. We also just talked a bit about it, and uh, he is in the community teaching teenagers a lot of the facts and things that we talk about with Money Talkers. And uh, last but definitely not least, um, he lives uh, in Central Florida with his wife, Christina, son, Tyler, and new uh, eight-month-old daughter, Delaney. So with all that said, welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, Cody. Thanks for having me, and go Knights. Yes, sir. Go Knights. We're, hopefully, we'll be all right this year if we get a season. So, right. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a transition year this year. But um, so I want to kind of uh, hop onto something with you real quick out of the gate, which is um, what does having $1.4 billion under custody mean? <laughs> that number is just so astronomical, you know? Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's, it, it sounds like a lot and, and it is a lot, but it's, it's a small piece of the overall retirement market. Uh, it means that, that we have clients that have moved money to us from other institutions, usually from brokerages, Schwab or Fidelity. Uh, and they moved them to our firm to buy investments outside the stock market. So uh, we hold the accounts just like Schwab does. We do all the record keeping and, and reporting to the IRS. Uh, but our clients uh, inside that $1.4 billion don't own stocks or bonds. They own things like real estate and mortgages. Uh, you're, we refer to it as Main Street investing through your retirement account instead of Wall Street investing. Wow. So they're, so they're actually buying real estate and mortgages. Uh, can you kind of dive into like what that looks like? Sure. So, you know, your 
so many people think that if you have an IRA, you have to go to a brokerage and you got to pick the stock bond and mutual fund, right? And, and ride out that wave as, as long as, as it takes to make money. Uh, and the reality is the IRS has always allowed you to buy investments, uh, really any investment in an IRA um, outside of the stock market. The challenge has been finding a custodian like a new view that would do it. Uh, and so, you know, 15 years ago when I started, very few people knew what we did. Uh, it, you know, thankfully, the digital age and the, the information age has made that more common, but it's still a small percentage of the population. So, um, yeah, you could take your, your IRA sitting at Schwab. Let's just say you got 100000 bucks over there, uh, an old 401k, and you could sell your stocks, move your IRA to Newview, and then go out and find a rental property or a duplex or write a loan to somebody. Um, any of those investments, really any type of investment. Uh, and that would be your investment in your account instead of the shares of Microsoft or shares of Apple that you may have owned. Hmm. Do you, are you, is there financing available still or do you have to buy all cash if you're buying properties? Uh, so no, it, there is still financing. Most clients are buying cash um, just because IRAs have cash. So it's a little bit different than your personal um, you know, vehicles. Um, if you do get a mortgage, you have to get a non-recourse mortgage uh, you got to get a mortgage that's to the asset, not to you as the IRA owner. So, uh, you know, if you think about it, your IRA is buying the property. So your IRA gets the loan and your yeah. IRA doesn't have a job. So it can't go get a loan like you could. Uh, so it gets an asset backed loan, which is basically a non-recourse loan. See, I love, uh, I love real estate. That's, that's one of my, I, I, and I, I think another thing too, you kind of mentioned over the last 15 years, like there's been some seriously wild rides in the stock market. <laughs> you know, anytime you turn on TV, you, you've got to have uh, diametrically opposed uh, talking heads talking about it. So I don't think the average person ever really knows what the heck is going on. <laughs> it's yeah, just, I mean, you, you don't know. even have to go back 15 years. I mean, 15 weeks. Yeah. And there's been some wild rides in the stock market. The wildest, right? I mean, the, seriously, the wildest rides we've ever seen have happened in the last few months. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a place for me. I, uh, to give you perspective on how good of an investor I am in the stock market, I, I've always bought and sold some stocks, very small scale. Uh, everything I do is real estate, private notes, that sort of thing. I've just always had better success. But to give you perspective on how bad of an investor I am in the stock market, uh, I'm the guy, if you look at the, the dip and the V-shaped recovery, I'm not sure if I'm the very bottom point of the V, but I promise you I'm within a day or two. Uh, I sold Apple, Amazon, and Netflix. Honest to God, true story. Uh, and all three are at all-time highs now. I mean, who, who'd have thought, um, you know, going into this craziness that that's what would happen? But, um, you know, people say, oh, man, you lost out on all that money. And say, you know what? I really gave up all the heartache and headache to get there. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing, like I know real estate. And so like, and I, it's even that though, I mean, there's been some factors that have just came out or, um, you know, like the, we have, I have rental properties and things. And so like them coming out and just all of a sudden going no moratorium on, uh, you know, foreclosures and no moratorium or moratorium on, uh, on, on, uh, evictions. And, you know, uh, it, in my tenants, they heard rent free. Right. And I'm like, but I'm not getting rent. I'm not getting mortgage free on the other side. Like I, this isn't how this works. Like you pay rent so I can pay the mortgage. I'm not some giant corporation that owns all this stuff, you know? And it's like, so that's been, uh, I think more curveballs in the last, you know, few months of them just tinkering to make rules left and right and going crazy. But I still stand by this day. I would much rather invest in real estate than the stock market. Personally, it's just not, I'm, I'm terrible at stock market. I'm too impulsive. I think, Yep. you know, 
I, I, I'm not very good at the set it and forget it. The stuff I do really well is like the retirement account type stuff. Like just leave it alone, throw it in the S&P 500 fund. Like don't look at it. <laughs> You're terrible at trading. Yep. <laughs> stay, stay away from it. You know? Yeah. I'm with you. Real estate, real estate for me is a, uh, it's easy to understand. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, you know, what's going on right now is such a very unique situation. Um, but at least with real estate, you know what it costs you to own, you know what it, it, it can make you to rent. And it really doesn't matter what it's worth, right? I mean, in, in stocks, I have no idea what it's worth. I mean, someone explained to me how Tesla, um, you know, was, was worth $350 a share a month ago, and, and now it's worth $1,200 a share. I mean, where's it going into the, the, you know, facing the headwind of a down economy at a time when people are buying more expensive vehicles? It just, the, the math doesn't make sense. And by the way, they lose money every okay. year. I mean, it, <laughs> fundamentally, I, how in the world could I figure that out? A Mensa candidate couldn't. Um, but I know what a mortgage is. I know how much it costs and I know how much rent is and I know how much that's worth. And, uh, I can do back of the napkin math and understand it's a good or investment or a bad one. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and you know, for me, uh, what, what I've been fortunate to do on that side as well is that waiting for the best investments, right? Like I know, I know a good real estate deal when I see one because it's a math problem. You know, once you know the math problem, like you said, I mean, back in the napkin, really, you can, you can, uh, you can digest a complicated uh, real estate transaction in about five minutes. Yep. Right. You need to know a few factors and then just, they plug in and then it's like, well, it doesn't meet this threshold. It's not a good deal for me. You know, that's how I look at it. Cause I just, yep. I'm, I, I'm like, well, that is what it is. Like I, I just walk, I don't want to, I don't want a decent deal. Like I want good deals. But the reason I'm able to do that is because I prep for them ahead of time. Yep. Because the best deals need two things. They need either certainty or they need speed because if they had time to sit and wait for you to, you know, uh, if they could wait for a, for the, the, the cost of the property to go way up, they don't need, they don't, they're not going to give you the discount, you know? So that's where usually if you've got your ducks in a row, it becomes very striking. So I imagine that's what you guys run along to with your IRA investing is you've got people kind of, waiting their cash right and then when the deal comes up are able to just come strike into it and uh get themselves a great deal yeah that is the majority of our customers you know they're uh they're ready to go they a lot most of our customers have done the same type of deal outside their ira i mean very few people are buying their first property in their ira yeah. most of them are you know like you they've they've done real estate deals they're just looking saying well why aren't i doing this in this tax advantaged account over here and um, you know, I think as we kind of talked before we got started, you know, when you start to really understand what compound interest is, uh, you really start to realize the the value of making these, you know, doing these deals inside the retirement account because of the tax benefits. Yeah, no, that's a uh, that's a big advantage. I, um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, though. So if somebody's listening and they're like, well, wait a minute, what, what's a, what's an IRA? Right. Like what? So could you kind of go over like who's eligible to have an IRA, um, how they would open one, like just, you know, the, the basics? Sure. And, and, uh, you know, I'll start by saying I kind of stepped over this and, and, and this is something that we kind of preach and, and yet here I am doing it. And that is so many people, you know, they, they focus, they, they hyper-focus on the investment, right? That that's where they think they make all their money is, you know, if I can just make good investments, I'll get rich. And uh, there's some truth to that. Um, but I, I hate to say that's fool's gold, but it's a losing proposition for the masses. Um, the real people that build wealth, and remember, making money and building wealth are com two completely different things. Um, there's people that make a million dollars a year that are broke. 
uh, and there's people that that make five hundred thousand dollars a year, right? And and maybe you're middle of the road, and there's people that make seventy five grand a year that are incredibly wealthy. And it has to do with hanging on to how much you make, and those are byproducts of spending and other things. So I'll, I, I won't go, you know, get too deep on that soapbox. But um, one of the things that people overstep is the vehicle. And they overstep the vehicle in which to buy. And, and the wealthy don't because the wealthy have the people in their corner saying, use this tax vehicle, use this tax vehicle, use that tax vehicle. You know, us as average individuals, we don't have that. We got to go out and educate ourselves. Um, but if you buy lots of great investments, but you pay tax every year, you're going to have less than if you buy mediocre investments and don't pay tax every year. Um, so, you know, I'm going to, I'll illustrate just quickly and then I'll answer your question as it yeah. relates to that. To give you the value of an IRA in, in terms of what it is um, value-wise, if you take a dollar and you double it every year for 20 years, right? $1 becomes $2, $2 becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 16. If you take that dollar and double it every year for 20 years and you do it with your personal money, whereby you pay tax, right? And you pay it a 25% tax rate. So if you make a dollar, you owe 25% on that dollar, cost you a quarter, right? Then you reinvest. If you double a dollar every year in a taxable account, at the end of 20 years, you will have 70, a little over 75,000 uh, bucks, right? Not bad, turned a dollar into 75 grand in 20 years. If, if you take the same dollar, same investment, doubling it over the same time period, so everything's identical, but the difference is you don't use your personal dollar to make the investment, you use a dollar that you've tucked away into a tax advantaged account, i.e. an IRA. At the end of 20 years, instead of $78,000, you have a little over a million dollars. You know, there's, so that goes back to one of the things that I talk about, which is, that's awesome, by the way. I love that because the, the, the little percentage, this is where the difference comes in where you get your advice from, right? So even if you're doing it, and you're doing it, you're trying, but you're not doing it with the best advantage ways, you're not going to have the same results. So the, one of the things too, is that I look at is when we, I talk about if we took every kid at 16 years old and put them out to 76 years old, they invest $10 a week. So 40 bucks a month. And they put, they go into a low cost key, you know, S and P 500 fund. Right. And to set it, forget it. It averages 9%. They end up, uh, I want to say it's $2.1 million. If they're in a fund, that it's a mutual fund or managed fund for a point and a half instead of 0.17, it drops to $600,000. And so that 1% over that time frame cost them, you know, a uh, million five on the same amount of money. But if you don't know that, you think you're doing the right thing, which you are, you end up with the 600. But the every kid in America, we put 10 bucks a week away for them, they're multimillionaires. But, you know, yeah. here we are spending sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000 a year to educate each one of our kids and nobody's putting 40 bucks away, you know? And so yeah. that's, I love that illustration of, look, this is where the tax advantage because that 20, you're like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a dollar. It's only 25 cents, like no big deal, you know, like, but they don't realize like, look, man, you're going from $75,000 result to a, a million dollar plus because you knew this one little trick. That, that's, it is. And, and the people that, that do it with their personal money, they think they're geniuses. I mean, and they're, they're, they're right in their own regard. They got 75 grand. I mean, they turned a buck into 75 grand. You look like brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, 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 the story of an IRA is this. An IRA is a tax advantage way to save for retirement. Uh, and if you don't think you need one, think again. 
um, because I can assure you Social Security is not going to get anyone to retirement. Uh, and if you kick the can down the road, I think, you know, Cody, you already kind of talked about, you know, you got to save a lot more for longer periods of time, the later that you get in life. So um, IRAs are fantastic tools for those that are listening, um, you know, regardless of your age, if you've got kids, um, really start looking into it. And here's the deal you make. It's simple. You put money into a retirement account. You agree that, that if you take the money prior to 59 and a half, you'll pay a tax and penalty. Right, so you're you're basically saying I won't touch it till uh, till 60. Uh, and what the government is saying is, if you can make that commitment, we'll give you completely tax free or tax deferred growth year over year over year over year as long as you keep it in there. And you know that's a pretty fair deal to go from 78,000 bucks to over a million uh, to not touch it. Right. <laughs> so the IRAs are fantastic tools, and there's different types of IRAs depends on how you're in your income. Um, but uh, you know we I would. The world of education is simple. Google IRA, you know, how much can I put in? And, and you can find a plethora of knowledge uh, that well, exists just, out there. Just knowing that, like, um, is it, you know, would, would people benefit from being able to do that with a small dollar amount, a big dollar amount? Like, what can they get into? Because I know there's limitations. So depends on how you earn your money. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if, if you're an employee of a company, um, then, then the best starting point is the 401k of that company. Um, you should at least contribute enough to get the match, assuming they offer one. Um, outside of that, you can do an IRA for, I think, 6000 bucks a year. Um, if you're self-employed, you can really set up your own 401k um, and you can contribute as much as like $56,000 uh, a year to, to those plans, depending on how you earn your money and how much you earn. Uh, but there, there's some fantastic plans out there. And, um, you know, again, it goes back to um, you know, it, it, it's kind of the, the world of retirement. It, it is a journey and it sounds a little cliche, um, but it is a journey. And, and I think what happens is really the, the car, right, is the vehicle, right? The, uh, the fuel is your investments, right? Uh, and where you end up really is the byproduct of those two things. And, you know, it's hard because you got to know roughly where you want to end up to determine how much fuel you got to put in, right? If I told you I was driving, you asked me how much gas does the car need, I'd say what kind of car and how far are we going? Yeah, you know what, that's a, uh, you made a perfect point of, listen, you have to start with where the goal is to get to and then back up into a simple plan. And so I tell people that all the time when they're doing, if they're going to do a business, if they're going to uh, want a certain goal of money, or if they want a certain goal with their kids or their family or whatever it is, like the easiest thing to do is like, okay, what do you want to happen? how long is it okay to take that to happen? <laughs> and then what do you need to do when you back out per year or per month or per day so that you can just do the, all these little menial tiny tasks. And at the end of the day, you end up with this massive goal. And uh, you know, I kind of look at retirement that same exact way. Like you start putting money in, it's like, Oh, I'm putting, you know, whatever people say 200 bucks a month or something or a hundred bucks a month. Like and at the end of the three years are like, okay, well I have 4,000. I put in 3,600. This isn't really turning out the way you told me, Cody. Right. But then what happens is the power of compound interest starts happening. And then that thing, once it starts going, oh, yeah. it's just a rocket ship, you know, yeah. but you got to be consistent to end that. And I, um, you mentioned to me before we started talking, um, that you, you teach, uh, high school age kids, um, in, in, you know, these kind of arenas, uh, what has been your feedback from them, uh, in regards to, do they want you there teaching it? right? Are they surprised? Are they wondering why they've never learned any of this stuff? Are they bored and just can't, can't wait till the bell rings? Like, what do you find? 
Well, it, it's all of those. Um, it's all <laughs> of the above in, in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, I think what I've learned and, and listen, I was a, 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 a 16 and 17 year old kid too at one point. So, um, you know, I, I understand, I understand thinking I know it all, um, you know, at that age and, and you know what I, what, here's what I've learned. Um, I've learned that, that 20% of the class is going to ignore you no matter what you tell them. Um, and that's okay. Um, I can't let the 20% ruin it for the 80% that want it. Uh, the 80% want the information. Some, some are further along, some know more of it, uh, depends on their life situation. And, and it's not always their parents. Uh, in fact, I've, I've met some kids that the most knowledgeable kid is probably the poorest kid in the room. Um, but that's because they're working, um, you know, at 15 years old and they're understanding that, you know, my paycheck is going to be lower than my hourly wage because taxes come out of that. I mean, they, they get some of that, that firsthand education. Um, but I, I would say for the most part, most people, um, most of the kids that, that I'm fortunate enough to spend, you know, an hour or two hours with, uh, if they don't really get it the first time, you know, I, some of the stuff I do is, is over a small series of courses. Um, usually by the end, you can say something along the way that'll capture some of that 20%, but uh, the 80%, they're, uh, they need it. They're not getting it anywhere else. Even at home, they're getting bits and pieces, but not, parents aren't really, a, par, most people learn about money by watching their parents, not necessarily by being taught by their parents. And some people can pick up um, by watching and other people need to hear it in a different manner. So a um, little bit of everything, but, uh, but yeah, more positive, certainly than negative. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting you came up with the 80% figure because Experian uh, recently did a survey on Generation Z and 76% of them said, we want to know about the way money works. I know when I was in school, if they had given us that survey, <laughs> it probably would have uh, 10% maybe. We never right. talked about it. It was never even a concept like credit scores. Like I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. Like I couldn't care less, you know? And I think because of where we're at now and kids are used to, you know, YouTube, like my kids, they don't watch TV. They like, they want YouTube. They want, you know, they do watch some Netflix. I'll give them that and Disney plus and stuff, but like it's on demand when they want it, you know? And, um, and so I think that the, there's so much out there that they're used to self-educating themselves. And so now they're like, hey, we know we don't know this stuff. <laughs> and I also think that they went through the Great Recession, what we're seeing now. Like they have had some eye-opening moments along their time where they've seen some, some pretty tough stuff with their parents and life and family and the news and everything else. And so... Um, it's, it's, I'm, it's pretty cool that you, you kind of confirmed in your, in your analysis there on the 80%, because that's what they say. And I, I was like so happy to see that survey, you know, uh, of 76% of kids want financial instructions, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, you, you talk about kind of, uh, you know, recession kind of babies. And if you really look back, I mean, at, at the world, right? Who, who was the, the generation that, that's, you know, at the very end of their life cycle uh, that was the best with money, right? It was the depression era. Um, you know, they grew up poor and, and man, I'll tell you, every one of them is going to die with money in the bank in some way, shape or form. Who's the worst, right? The baby boomers, because they were the ones that didn't live through the depression. They lived through, uh, you know, most of their life when things were booming and their baby boomers are horrible with money. They're all going to die broke. Um, right. And so who, the, then you start going down the generations and they are, they're byproducts of the era in which they grew up in. And um, the, the kids that are approaching high school now, they are recession babies. 
And they remember, they were old enough to know as kids that, wait a minute, we don't have money and we didn't have these things. And um, I think it has a profound impact on people. Generational, um, you know, uh, financial success is real. I 100% I agree. And I also think that um, it also affects the house, right? The family. So the more, you know, they may not have understood what was going on in 09 when the house was being taken away. Like they may not understand exactly about mortgages and foreclosure, but they knew mom and dad were arguing about it. Right. And yep. so um, I think that they don't want to be in that situation. And I think that they're actually seeking the information out, which is awesome to me. Like I'm, I'm really happy to hear that they're being aware and being self-aware of the things that they don't know, because you know, that's one of the things with Money Talkers where I'm trying to give the tools to parents to be able to open these doors and talk to them. Because a lot of parents put this as uh, one of the two most stressful talks that they can talk about with their kids. The other one's the birds and the bees, right? right <laughs> so like, right. those two, like money situations and finances and birds and bees. And like those two are like dreaded on the scale of like, I'll just wait it out and see if they ask me any questions. Right. right. And so to be proactive and go out there and teach them these things, you don't need to be a financial genius, you know, like your level of education into like the intricacies of IRAs and those things. There are people out there like you that they can go to if they need to get there, but they need to start with, Hey, look, you know what? I got a credit card in college. You know, you don't have to use yourself. You can use third party. So-and-so got a credit card in college. They maxed it out. They ruined their credit. They weren't able to buy a car. They've had a hard time getting a job because of that. Like, this is why you don't do these things, you know? And you, if you just open that door and have, start having those conversations, I think that that's a lot of where the power lies, you know? And then, yeah, well, you know, people underestimate the value of experience and, you know, the, the experience provides the best lessons and generally the harder the experience, the better the lesson. And, um, you know, I think the best advice that I try to give people is don't, don't, you don't have to go through every experience, surround yourself with people that have already gotten the experience. Don't learn it the hard way. Yeah, right. Yeah. You'll learn your own experiences the, the hard way and some lessons, but um, the world's full of really smart people and in, in, in an information age that we have available. Um, I hate to say there's no excuse, but at the end of the day, there is no real excuse to be ignorant anymore. Yeah, I always kind of laugh because like, you know, there's that one book, The Richest Man in Babylon or whatever, you know, oh, that's a great book. Yeah. And what 3000 years old or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the, I mean, a lot of the concepts have not changed. Right. I mean, it's, it's so applicable to then to now. And it's like, you know, all we're really doing is we have to just take, uh, we have to have self-awareness that we don't know these things. And if we just go to learn them, it may be foreign. The terms might be foreign. IRA might just be like, Oh no, I'm not talking to that guy again. You know, like I've done SEO for the uh, last 10, 12 years on websites. I had to learn it by myself, a search engine optimization. I, the second I throw out any kind of terms in there, like people were just like, oh, <laughs> you know, like either that or they just nod at me and they're like, oh, that's great. You know, canonical tags. And I'm like, yeah, canonical tags. And all of that means is if you have WWW, you don't have WWW. Like it just sounds like it's so complicated. Right. You know, and uh, and so I, I imagine like a lot of that time is that's probably the wall that you have to break down um, when you're talking to people about these things is just don't nod at, you know, like, don't glaze over on me if I go to, if I go to get yep. into these subjects, right? Well, it's, it, it is the toddler mentality and, and everybody needs to deploy it. You know, we're all so scared. And that is, I mean, why do you think, you know, two and three and four year olds are the smartest people in the room, right? Whether we think so or not there, I guarantee you they're the smartest people in the room every time. And the reason is ask, write down how many times they ask questions, 
right? Why, 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 why? And we, we have to continue to deploy that. We, we stop that. We start to think that we're dumb, uh, you know, if, uh, if we ask the question why. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, there's a big difference between being dumb and being ignorant, right? Dumb is permanent. Ignorance is curable. So, you know, don't be scared to be ignorant. Are you kidding? 99% of the stuff I do in my life, I'm ignorant on, right? Yeah. But if you ask enough whys, you know, then you go from 99 to 98% to 97. And you don't have to be an expert on everything, right? Pick your battles and, and expend your time where it makes sense. But, um, you know, don't be scared to ask the question why. And I'd be willing to bet if, if, if you look back at your SEO career and, and, you know, you say you taught yourself, um, I'd be willing to bet you were successful in that because, for a very long period of time till you had the confidence and knowledge yourself, I bet you asked why than every other person that tried to be as successful and failed. Yeah. I actually hired somebody to do it, but I told him, I said, I'm going to pay you to do this, but I get to see everything you do and I get to ask all the questions I want. Right. <laughs> and he was like, okay. He's like, I was like, do most people do that? And he was like, no, nobody wants to talk about this stuff at all. So like it actually became, he became a, it was in California and became a good friend. And uh, our business is shot like a, up like a rocket. And but I used to text them and call them like anytime I wanted to, and it would drive them. I don't know if I drove them nuts or he liked it. But now my now I ask YouTube why all the time. <laughs> the power of why it's uh, it, it, why and no uh, are a business owner's best friend if you want to be successful. Oh yeah, and you know uh, who I want my information from is I want the guy who's done it for twenty years. Like I don't want the most polished YouTube videos. I want okay. the guy like if I'm trying to fix my dishwasher like I'm looking for the guy who's in like a greasy shirt and like holding his phone like a side he's like hey, you see down here this is what part you gotta watch for it I'm like that's my guy right there like, got it. watch his video uh and I fixed all kinds of things around my I do tons of stuff from YouTube but I, I like the fact that you're asking that um you know to teach people to say hey listen let's just start getting curious let's start having those conversations because that's where the comfortableness comes from is that when you feel like you understand something and you realize it is not nearly as complicated as we make things to be, you know? Right. Um, so I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, well, I've got you for a few more minutes. Okay. So, um, in your family, you have a nine-year-old son, right? Um, yep. what are you, what kind of conversations are you having with him these days around money, around success, like around whatever? Well, and, and let me start by saying, um, no matter how much it sounds like we've got it figured out, I promise you, like every other parent, uh, we struggle with all the same things. Um, so I, I, again, I don't want to come across as, as if these are foolproof and bulletproof. We, we fight all the battles, but you know, we do a few things. Um, one of the things we're working on right now, and I'll tell you a very uh, deliberate story as of this morning, um, you know, we, we work on actions consequences, right? Um, and so, you know, actions, consequences, and consequences are not always bad, you know, right? Um, so we work on kind of, if you do this, this is what happens. If you do this, this is what happens. Um, and then we're, we, any opportunity we can to, to put stuff into monetary terms. Um, I, like every other kid, our, our, um, our son is big into, you know, Roblox uh, as a video game. And um, he asks for money and we tell him no. You will not spend it. I will never give you a dollar to buy Roblox. That's not going to happen. But but I'll make a deal with you. I will pay you $5 an hour. I get to pick the work. It has to be good. And I'll pay you five bucks an hour and you can work and you can earn money. That's the only way you'll get Roblox money. And as he does the work, you know, we talk about, hey, this job was just okay. 
Now, let me tell you why, you know, just okay work, we'll, we'll be fine. Here's your five bucks because that's what we agreed to. But if I have another job I need done, do you think I want to pay you five bucks again, knowing that you did an okay job? Or do you think I want to pay someone that did a great job? And then, you know, he challenged him to do a great job. And when he does a great job, then I say, you know what? The next time we do it, because you did such a great job and you're so valuable, I'm going to pay you six bucks an hour. And so, you know, we try to use little ways to, to, um, to do that. Um, and, and on that same note, he asked me for, uh, it was, had some friends over, his birthday is tomorrow, um, and he had some friends over and he wanted some Roblox money. Everybody else had some money in their account. And I said, you know, sure. But if I give you money in advance, how much do you want? He said, $10. I said, well, how many hours do you have to work? He said, two. I said, no. He's like, well, I don't get it. I said, well, you haven't worked. I paid $10 an hour after you've worked two hours. But if you want me to pay you ahead, that's a loan. I, I'm giving you my money and taking my risk. So, you know, I will give you the $10, but you're going to have to work three hours I love that. for the $10. <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he'll do it in, in, in the moment. But then he realized when he had to work three hours, they're like, maybe that wasn't the best decision. You know, at the time, it seemed great. You know, that, that's a huge concept right there. I just I said, I love that. I couldn't even hold it in because I was like, man, I love that because that's the epitome of like, give it to me now. And then I can just work the same amount of hours. Like, no, 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 no. You got to work way more because you want yep. it now, right? Should have saved that money ahead of time. That's a, that's, that's huge. I crack up. And, and believe me, it doesn't always go over well. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I make it sound like it's easy and, and that he just grasped the concept overnight. I mean, um, it, we, we swing and miss 90% of the time. And, and if we make contact five or 10% of the time and it resonates and resonates uh, a little here and a little there, uh, then we're doing our jobs. Yeah. My kids will tell you the bad consequences or bad, uh, you know, bad behavior, bad consequences, good behavior, good consequences. We talk about that all the time because yep. I just want that concept to be in there, you know? And, um, but I like the fact that uh, <laughs> as, as he was, you know, that your job, your job does correlate to, having performance of what you did in your job right so i've always told people to say you know if you outwork your pay plan your pay plan will catch up yep. and don't work to the amount that you're being paid work above whatever you think that is so if you want to be stuck at 12 dollars an hour or 15 dollars an hour then you're trying to purposely turn in 15 dollars worth of hour where you work you're not going to get to 20 and 25 and 50 right. the managerial positions and the you know the move up stuff like go do this stuff above and beyond and when the opportunity comes you're going to be the first to top of mind, right? That's a great, I, uh, I, I, I like that, uh, that parenting tip there at the end, but we're going to, uh, we have to wrap up here. Um, is there any last thoughts you have, Jason? No, you know, I, I, I kind of end a lot of things with this and, and that is educate, 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 um, you know, find people uh, that have, have tried it, find people that have failed. Um, anyone that tells you they're always successful is probably not the person you want to get your advice from because uh, they haven't really earned it or lived it uh, the way that, that you need them to. But go out and get educated. We live in a world where it's at our fingertips. Uh, you know, instead of knowing all the useless information that we spend uh, time on our phone and social media, uh, you know, spend that time not listening to the radio, listening to podcasts, spend that time, you know, not scrolling through Facebook, but, but reading, uh, you know, up on, on various, uh, you know, financial or just life in general um, you know, goals and other things. So, yep. Stay educated. That's it, man. I love that. And you know what? It's out there. And I would tell you one last thing on that kind of same thought is that if you know somebody who 
you wanted to emulate, like that you considered successful in whatever arena it is, emotionally, financially, career-wise, whatever it is. If you're a young person and you approach that person um, with respect and an honest, like, hey, I want to learn from you, I can 99% guarantee you that person will make time for you because they're going to, one, if they're that good, they love their trade. They were just excited to be able to share that information with you. And if uh, otherwise, the other part of that too is that like you, you, we have an innate piece inside of us that wants to help young people be better at things, right? And if we can help and be the 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 master or the you know the the thought leader on the on the subject and and show our mastery of things, like then we want to be able to help and we want to be able to pass that information on. So don't be afraid to ask, shoot bigger on who you ask than who you think you could, you know? Yeah. Great, great advice. So and, awesome. and buy them lunch. Everybody's got to eat and everybody wants to share their stories. So yeah, great advice. Absolutely. Lunch, lunch, buying lunches has made me more money, I think, than anything else in my whole life. So You're not kidding. <laughs> well, Jason, listen, if they want to find out more about what you guys do with Newview Trust, uh, where, where should they check out? Uh, newviewtrust.com, easiest way to uh, to get information. There's a, a blog section uh, that's chock full of webinars and educational events, pre-recorded stuff, uh, as well as a schedule of upcoming live stuff that we do on a myriad of topics. So uh, yeah, Newview Trust, uh, Newview with a U, N-U-V-I-E-W, trust.com. Awesome, man. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Cody. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.